How's it going, everybody? My name is Josh, and welcome to Coffee in the News, the podcast where we talk about the week's news with a small hint of conservative in it. So one thing that happened this week is we saw that Amazon have been selling apparel that's against our police. This is according to the New York Post, by the way. Amazon is still hawking Blue Lives Matter merchandise almost a year after similar anti-cop gear first came to light, sparking renewed outrage from the Big Apple Detective Union, who accused the e-tailer of putting cops, quote, at peril and risk, end quote, in a recent letter. The Detectives Endowment Association demanded Amazon stop selling the disgusting items and blazed with the message, uh, black, uh, excuse me, Blue Lives Murder. It has come to my attention that our website is selling t-shirts and other emblazed with the words Blue Lives Murder, reads part of the letter sent by the DEA to the company's chief financial officer, Brian Olvatsky, and obtained by the Post. It's disheartening that your company would allow this disgusting motto on your sales platform. So I totally agree. This is this is something that's ridiculous. Um, it, it's so dumb. It's so dumb to take a look at this and to see. Here's, here's the same article as well. The letter also cites the online retailer's policy of not listing products that promote insight or glorify hatred, violence, racial, sexual, or religious intolerance or promote organization with such views. So we see Amazon has been not following their protocols, and this is not surprising, right? We've seen these million, billion-dollar companies and million-dollar companies, just basically these rich companies. We've seen these companies come up with the protocol, and they don't even follow their protocol, right? YouTube, for example, Facebook, and there's a whole bunch of other companies where they just don't even follow it, right? For YouTube, for example, if when someone got banned, I think, uh, I don't think, I know, Louder with Crowder, for example, when he got banned, usually when they get banned, there's supposed to be a reason why they got banned on YouTube. And YouTube didn't give that to them. Facebook, if you take a look at what's going on with our, our uh, politicians, they're getting banned and there's no reason for it. So these social, social media outlets and these uh, big retailers such as Amazon, they, they have a protocol and they don't follow it and they need to follow it. Um, and if they don't, I think they should get sued or I think they, they should, yeah. The Texas governor is also calling for a special session involving, involving English, the new voter law. So this is according to the Daily Trib. The official 87th legislative session of Texas came to a dramatic end Memorial Day weekend, leaving several of Governor Greg Abbott's high-priority pro- items on the table. The governor declared he would call legislatures back into a special session to address these those items and threatened to veto the part of the budget that pays their salaries. Going into session in January, Abbott declared election and bail reform as must-pass emergency items but neither made it through the process in time. Senate Bill 7, which would limit early voting hours, add more restrictions to vote by mail, and possibly curb some local options for casting ballots, failed to come up for a final vote when Senate Democrats walked out of the Capitol building last Sunday night, May 30th. With no quorum, no vote would be taken. Republicans hailed the legislation as a way to reduce the possibility of voter fraud. Democrats called the proposed voting legislation an attempt to restrict voting, particularly for minorities. The League of Women Voters, a nonpartisan, uh, nonprofit civic organization, called the governor's threat to defund the legislature unethical and anti-democratic. The bill would have made Texas a state with the most restrictive voting laws in the country if approved. Uh, This is the Texas Tribune. The sweeping overhaul of Texas elections and voter access was poised from the beginning of the session to pass into law. It had the the backing of Republican leaders in both chambers of the legislature. Had support from the governor, um, Democrats who opposed the bill, uh, chiding it as a naked attempt of voter suppression, were simply outnumbered. But on Sunday night, with an hour left for the legislature to give final approval to the bill, Democrats staged a walkout preventing a vote on the legislation before a fatal deadline. Oh, this is 
Oh my gosh. We live... Oh my gosh. We live in a day and age where you can just simply uh, call and request identification. Right? It's not voter suppression, first off. It's not. It's just... It makes it harder for people to cheat. And... Oh my gosh, it's so annoying. And and they're going to claim this is this is a way for minorities not to vote. Even though it is a way for the minorities can vote, they can still vote, right? Even with these voter uh, voter systems that we have right now, even the homeless can vote. That's how easy it is. And so I just it just makes it harder for um ballot harvesting, it makes it harder for a whole bunch of stuff. But you can still vote, and, and their goal is to try and make it easier for you to vote, but harder for uh, people to cheat, harder for our elections to be to be fraud, I guess you can say. You know, and we've heard this before. These new voter laws make it harder to vote, and it's obviously wrong. You know, almost every American has voter ID. Or excuse me, almost every American has identification. And if you don't, you can go to the... Um, you can go request one and, and and they'll send you one or they'll even give you a little um not a permanent one but it's a it is your identification but it's just on a piece of paper and and that still works as well you know and on the dem side this is so stupid and, and if this happened on capitol hill they would probably be fined well i take that back if it was the democrats if it were the democrats on capitol hill they wouldn't be fined but if it were conservatives who are doing this they would get fined big time our tax dollars right help pay our politicians right that's where our tax dollars go our tax dollars go to the politicians um oh wait we give them the job and they need to do their jobs right we're not paying them to sit on their lazy rears we're paying them to help make america a better place that's what we're paying them to do a better place and a safer place and I understand they want their voice to be heard, but staging a walkout, that's crazy. That An hour before the end of the session. That's an hour wasted of precious time where laws could have been passed. And it's, yeah, that's the Democrats for you. I, I think they just don't think off the bat. They just stage a walkout and then they walk out. One thing that's been going on around the news right now, and this happened last week, this has been happening this week, it's uh, the Wuhan lab. Uh, that uh, theory is still going on, and, and it looks like this theory is going to be proven to be a fact. And so it's just it's still going on in our news outlets. Uh, but what we do know is it seems like some of our tax dollars actually went into the Wuhan, uh, the lab. This the I believe it was like the Institute of Virology. But it looks like our tax lawyers have gone into that. And this is according to the Highland Country, uh, country County uh, Press. House Committee on Oversight and Reform Ranking members James, James Corner, a Republican of Kentucky, and House Committee of the uh, Judiciary Ranking member Jim Orden, a Republican of Ohio, sent a letter to Francis Collins, the director of the NIH, and Anthony Fauci, the director of the National Institution of Allergy, and infectious disease. The Republicans point to a grant from NIH given to EcoHealth, which they say has funneled hundreds of thousands of dollars to the Wuhan Institute of Virology to study, quote-unquote, bat coronavirus. EcoHealth has awarded almost $600,000 to the WIV, uh, which is the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and another $200,000 to the Wuhan University School of Public Health. The letter reads on July 8th, 2020. NIH Deputy Director for Extramural Research, Dr. Michael Lohrer, sent a letter to EcoHealth expressing concerns over its relationship with the WIV and suspended EcoHealth's grant pending answers to several routine questions. The questions posed by Dr. Lohrer uh, raise serious concerns and suggest COVID-19 was spreading worldwide by October 19th excuse me, by October 2019. So it's just stupid that we see a grant was given to China to study the quote-unquote bat virus. Although, let's be honest, I think we all can agree that it's, it did probably come from this 
uh, from the Institute of Virology. And instead of owning it up, owning up to it, we see that they just tried to sweep it under the rug, blaming COVID-19 on bats instead of saying, oh yeah, it's not our fault and we didn't put money into this. It's 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 ridiculous, right? And and it's ridiculous to see that our tax dollars aren't even is is even involved not in the United States. It's involved in China. It's involved in Russia. It's it's pretty much involved everywhere else except for I hate to say it, but the United States. Um, that's what it seems like, uh, and and we should have the right to see where our tax dollars are going. And and why they are why they are going there, and I think that's one thing that we need to constantly take a look at is, you know, this is see what our politicians are doing, right? Okay, well, this is looks like well, that's where our tax dollars are going. Okay, I'm okay with that. But when you see a red light like this, where, oh yeah, they are, they're going to have a grant that's going to go to the institute of to the, um, oh my gosh, I just spaced out. Oh the. Uh, China in the virology center, that should be a red flag, and we should contact our local politicians and and our representatives and our senators and say, hey, I don't like this. Our our taxes should stay in the United St- in in the United States. It shouldn't go anywhere else. I mean, of course, unless there's a natural disaster, though. You know, you we have these organizations that go help out other countries, and and yeah, I'm I'm in favor of that, but. You know, having it go somewhere else, specifically to our enemies, where we're not really strong allies with them, it's just it gets a little sketchy. So it looks like taxes um, are actually going to go to the middle class. That's what it's starting to look like, and according to the Washington Post, and there is something that Biden's budget does include, which he did not propose on the campaign trail: a lower and middle income tax increase. When he ran for president, Biden declared, under my plan, if you make less than $400,000, you won't pay a single penny more in taxes. You have my word on it. But in this budget, Biden breaks his word. The White House budget assumes that Biden will allow the Trump tax cuts for low and middle income Americans to expire as scheduled in 2025. Letting tax cuts expire is a tax increase. Who would be affected by these tax hikes? The Nonpartisan Tax Policy Center estimates that 65% of Americans saw their taxes go under uh, Trump's tax reform, which means that under Biden's budget, 65% of Americans will see their taxes go up. Even the Institute of Taxation and Economic Policy, a left-wing group which opposed the Trump tax cuts, acknowledged that every income group in every state would pay less on average thanks to those cuts, which means that every income group in every state will pay more if Biden lets their tax cuts expire. Biden did uh, not campaign a pledge to raise taxes on the majority of Americans, comprising every income group. And yet, he is baking in a massive lower and middle income tax increase into his budget plans. Why is Biden counting revenue he promised not to collect from working class Americans in his budget? Because according to Rydell, quote, the president has already used up nearly everything from his campaign tax hikes in his current proposals, end quote. Even with a lower and middle class income increase, he is still short of revenue to pay for the $6 trillion in spending, he admits to in his budget, leaving him no way to pay the additional $5.8 trillion in spending he has pledged. That means, despite already proposing the highest levels of taxation in a century, he will have to raise taxes even more. In other words, from spending to taxes, Biden's budget is a lie. He plans to tax you more and spend far more of your money than even his record-breaking budget plan admits. So we're constantly seeing this, that Biden has been breaking his promises, right? We constantly see that. If you were to turn on the news right now and to see Biden, I guarantee you, he'd probably break one of his promises right now. And I think this shows one of two things. First off, although, yes, he is a president. Yes, he is the president. He's not running the show, right? I think that shows one thing is, although he looks like he is the president and he is the president, he's not running the show. There's people in the background who is running the show for him. And the other thing is, 
it's it's Biden. I think I think we all can agree if we take a look at a lot of his speeches, we can see that he's not mentally there. He's he always tries to figure out what he's gonna say. It reminds me of like Michael Scott, right? And it, he goes, sometimes I just I don't know where the conversation is going, and so I just kind of go up and, and start a con- start the conversation just at random, you know. And so it doesn't make any sense, and it's the same with Biden. It's whenever you listen to his speeches, it just seems like he doesn't know what the heck he's doing, and so we're seeing that as well. And and so, oh my goodness, I Biden probably forgot he even said this, right? And and I agree too. If you get rid of Trump's tax cuts, then the middle class uh, taxes would rise. Even though Biden said, "Oh yeah, I'm not. I promise you, the middle class won't pay a penny." And and we're gonna see that the middle class are gonna pay a penny. I think that's why a lot of people in the middle class voted for Biden because oh, not no taxes for me. That's great. I'm gonna do that. And we see that eventually they're gonna have to pay taxes, right? If the spending p- plan passes. It's a huge spending plan. Then we also see that the middle class uh, will have to pay taxes even bigger. So either way, it's a lose-lose situation for Biden. If you keep the Trump tax cuts, okay, cool. But if I have to, if I if the spending bill passes, they're going to get taxes taxed either way. You know, he's not keeping his promise, and 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 it's like I said, mainly because he forgot his promise. <laughs> I think he forgot his promise, um, and that's something that is it's sad and it's it's crazy to watch because I just feel bad for the guy. I feel bad for the president watching his speeches. There's a lot of ums and uh uh uh, uh you know, and it's it's just keeps on going in a loop. Uh, one thing I'll say too, and and we've said this on the on this podcast over and over again is, if you're not going to tax the middle class, the money goes to the rich right or the excuse me the taxes go to the rich it goes to the higher class eventually the higher class are going to go bankrupt because these taxes are huge they're going to be huge and eventually these million dollar and billion dollar companies go bankrupt and they either go to a different country or they even are they either close and if they were to close then mil- hundreds of jobs thousands of jobs would be lost and and these people who had a job would no longer have a job. They go right back into the lower class. And so eventually, where do these taxes go if no million dollar companies are here? Because they're bankrupt, these taxes would eventually go to the middle class. And and then, you know, the lower class as well. And so it's just it kind of just goes downhill. And so I think this is something that we're going to have to watch is if this plan passes, keep an eye on the on these million dollar companies and see what these million dollars companies are going to do. Because I guarantee you either they're going to go bankrupt or they're going to go to a different country to continue their work. Remember how we talked a few days about this huge oil. Um, oh, my gosh. This uh, pipeline uh, hack right from Russia and Russia was giving uh, was basically saying, hey, Give us a lot of money and then we'll unlock it for you. So this is something that that has happened yet again. But instead of our gas and pipelines, it's actually happened at a meat a meat plant, a meat producer, uh, a JBS. And this is according to Fox News. Brazil-based JBS, the world's largest meat producer, has shuttered all of its U.S.-based beef plants as of Tuesday while responding to a cyber attack. The shutdowns impacted all nine beef plants located in Arizona, Texas, Nebraska, Colorado, Wisconsin, Utah, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, according to officials from the United Food and Commercial Workers International Union, which represents more than 25,000 JBS employees. JBS U.S.-based pork plants are still operational. The shuttered plants produce nearly one quarter of U.S. beef supplies in total, JBS employee employs more than 66,000 workers across 84 U.S.-based locations. The attack raised concerns of a potential meat shortage in the U.S. and several other countries impacted by the situation. It wasn't immediately clear how the shutdown would affect meat prices. So this is not surprising, right? We see that Russia, that excuse me, we see that the cyber attack was not the one involved in the pipeline, 
it was uh, some other uh, company company i guess you can say i don't know it was some other hackers there you go but it was these hackers were from china the firm the cyber attack was from china and so we see that these scammers are constantly uh, scamming these hackers are constantly scamming the main infrastructure of the united states right we saw this with our pipeline huge impact we're seeing this with our meat producers I don't think it's going to be as big of an impact, but it was still a pretty big impact. And so what's next? You know, what about our electric grid? I guarantee you that's going to be the next uh, hack or the next cyber attack. The next cyber attack is going to be on our electric grid. And I don't know if they're going to hold a ransom on, on it. And it's it's hectic. It's hectic, right? This is what happens when you pay when you give, when you pay the ransom, the whole world is watching, right? And so if you were to pay that ransom, there's going to be other cyber attackers who are going to take a look at this and say, oh, okay, if I go ahead and, 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 and hack what's going on over here, then, then they're just going to give me the money. They're going to pay the ransom that I give them. And so we're just going to keep on seeing this. Uh, Biden is, is planning to have a summit with Putin. I believe it's next month. And so the question is, if Biden is going to bring this uh, situation up to Putin. And and the question is to see, you know, what is Putin, how is Putin going to react? Because we already knew that, no, that Putin doesn't have the respect for Biden. Unlike the, unlike the amount he had of respect he had for Trump. We already know this. Put, Biden called Putin a killer, right? And Putin goes, oh yeah, I'd like to have a debate with you. Well, let's do it on live television, right? We know that Putin sees Biden as one of our weakest presidents, and we know that he would be would win that argument. And so it'll be interesting to see what they what they are going to do with the summit, uh, what topics they bring up, and yeah, it's going to be it's going to be hectic. But definitely keep an eye on these cyber attacks. I think we're going to see a lot more in the United States, and I think they're going to hit a lot more of our infrastructure. It's sad, guys, but uh, it's sad to see that Trump's Remain in Mexico prog- program has uh, expired. It's it's no longer in effect. It's at an end. And it's sad to see that Biden really didn't uh, like that idea and like that plan and, and uh, renew it. Uh, this is according to The Hill. Former President Trump on Wednesday panned the Biden administration's decision to end his border management program, dubbed Remain in Mexico. The Biden administration on Tuesday announced the end of the program officially known as the Migrant Protection Protocols, which uh, forced asylum seekers to wait in Mexico while U.S. immigration courts processed their cases. Trump criticized Biden for the decision in a statement packed with broad claims of MPP success. The Biden administration inherited the most secure border in history, and they turned it into the greatest border disaster in history, wrote Trump, adding that Tuesday's move was a disastrous decision. So not only did Biden inherit the most secure border, he also inherited one of the best job uh, um, claims ever, right? I, Whenever you saw those job numbers under Trump, it was amazing to see. It was amazing to see how many jobs there were and how many uh, people are not jobless. It was amazing to see that. And now if you take a look at it, we see that these numbers are dropping. We see that, that we're seeing the lowest numbers. And the the numbers in May came up too, and, and they did not meet the expectation what Biden and his administration was going to take a look at, right? And it just turned to crap, right? That's all we've seen. We've seen this with the border. We've seen this with a whole bunch of stuff. The only thing that has not turned into crap was the uh, coronavirus uh, plans, the COVID plans, the vaccination plans, right? These are the only things that haven't gone up. And and that's thanks to Trump, Trump right? Trump was the one who had these plans ready, the vaccination plans, all this stuff. And Biden inherited that and, and didn't didn't get rid of it, right? He just left it, and he's claiming all the victory, all the glory on that. And and it shouldn't be him. It should be Trump. I think Trump did an amazing job with the vaccination rollouts, and Biden is just sitting there getting all the recommendations and, and the glory, and, and that's really sad to see. You know, 
one thing that I will note that under Trump, it was it, it was an America first policy, right? A lot of stuff was America first, America first, America first, right? The Americans are important, and I want their voice to be heard, and that's what we want. And under Biden, it's Biden. Biden, it's like let's just get rid of everything Trump did, and where he made America self-sustaining and first, and instead let's rely on our completely on our on on the people on the countries around us and our enemies, right? Russia is a good example. China is a good example. Iran and Iraq is a good example, right? They're, we're now relying on these for our oil, for our gas. We're relying on them for a whole uh, a steel, I believe. It's no longer an American first policy. It's an American last uh, policy. Uh, the, the border crisis, it's still a huge issue, right? We see that Biden gave it this border issue to Kamala Harris, and, and we haven't seen Kamala Harris at all. The only place we've seen her was at interviews with news media, uh, and news outlets, and, and media. Right? We haven't even seen her go uh, uh, to the border to see for herself what the heck is going on, and and that's sad to see. Biden is uh, is gave it to Kamala Harris, and Kamala Harris isn't even doing it right now. She's kind of putting it on a pause. Like, come on, if you want to see the issue, go to the border, take a look at it with your own eyes. And then go ahead and formulate your own opinion. Well, thanks to BuzzFeed, we actually got to see a lot of uh, Fauci's emails. Uh, BuzzFeed um, filed something. I don't remember what it's called, but they filed something basically allowing us to take a look at Fauci and his emails. So his emails are no longer private, thanks to BuzzFeed. And there's a lot of emails that was going on between Fauci and 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 the CDC, and all this stuff during uh, the, the pandemic. But there's a few I really want to take a look at. And this is according, this is thanks to, to Louder with Crowder. And um, I recommend you guys take a look at him. He's, uh, he's really funny, and, and he's one of my favorite uh, uh, new, I don't know what you call him, talk shows, I guess. Anyways, he's, he's one of my favorites. I always listen to him. I, I recommend you guys listen to him as well. And so this is according to Crowder. Um, you can take a look at his website, uh, louderwithcrowder.com, and it shows all the notes from the show. And so this is a Fauci claim. That's what he said. Uh, Fauci claimed masks were effective at blocking even larger COVID particles. Uh, that's from the CNBC. And the truth, on February 5th, 2020, Fauci wrote to American University President Sylvia Burwell, Masks are really for infected people to prevent them from spreading infection to people who are not infected rather than protecting uninfected people from acquiring infection. Oh my gosh, I thought I just read a Dr. Seuss, but I did not. That's actually uh, from the email. The typical mask you buy in the drugstore is not really effective in keeping out virus, which is small enough to pass through the material. It might, have, however, provide some slight benefit to keep out gross droplets as someone coughs or sneezes on you. I do not recommend that you wear a mask, particularly since you're going to a very low-risk location. Here's another Fauci claim. Fauci on April of 2020 denied the possibility that the virus could have come out of a lab uh, from YouTube. Uh, that's the source he said it during a conference. And on February 22nd, 2020, Dr. Michael Jacobs emailed Fauci expressing his concern that the virus came from a lab. The email read, we think that there is a possibility that the virus was released from a lab in Wuhan, the biotech area of China. We also think that the virus might be complex with another organism, such as a yeast or fungus, to make it more sticky. We would like to discuss this with you further. We feel that immediate action must be taken by United States scientists to try and neutralize this threat. So those are just a few of them um, from Crowder's uh, a live stream daily show. And and you can actually take a look at a lot of these emails on, on the internet. I believe you just search Fauci email leak uh, or Fauci emails, and you should be able to see a whole bunch of these emails that Fauci sent. And um, you, you, you will constantly see in these emails that uh, Fauci knew the truth, and he did not want to share it to the entire world. He knew the truth that, about um about the COVID-19 coming from these labs he knew the truth that masks don't work and yet he was sharing this agenda that oh yes masks work and oh yeah no it didn't come from a, a lab it came from bats bats that's where it came from 
I, I'm terrible at uh, at impressions, and I I couldn't do a, a Fauci to save my life. But anyways, we just see that that Fauci knew the truth on a whole bunch of this stuff, and he didn't want to pro produce it. Right? I think we take a look at Fauci as um, a a star, right? A famous a famous figure, and and he shouldn't be a famous figure, and yet he is. And uh, he recently announced he's writing a book, and I think it's just all a publicity stunt. Um, I was talking to my mom about this, and she goes, well, there's, uh, I think what happened to Fauci is he's just a, a power straight to the head. And I, I totally agree with that. Fauci wanted to try and be in the, in the news outlets as much as possible, and in doing so, he kind of had to hide the truth. And I think it's sad to see, and... He still has his job. We'll see what else Fauci says, but I mean, even with these emails, I think it's kind of clear to see that Fauci was, you know, hiding a lot of the truth to the American people. So according to the Tampa Bay Times, a visibly angry sheriff, Mike Chitwood, said at a news conference late Tuesday that the juveniles had shot at officers from the house multiple times over about a half hour while deputies tried to de-escalate the situation and eventually return fire. He said, this was something I've never seen in 35 years in policing. This is the same article as well. Authorities said the uh, children fired at the deputies four separate times over the next 35 minutes. At one point, Chitwood said an officer went close enough to the home to toss a cell phone inside to try and call them. Uh, they were traversing the length of the house and firing on deputies from different angles. Chitwood said they were out on the pool deck they shot from the bedroom window. They shot from the garage door. Um, this is this is it's just hectic. It's hectic. I, actually, in one in, in the same article, you can see that an officer said, "Yeah, I believe one of the kids said we don't want to kill them. We just want to shoot at them." And so it it's sad to see that this whole police are our enemies and police are not our allies. This whole view on this is going on to our children, and our children believe that they should they should die uh and, and that they deserve it and it's sad to see that you know back then we used to teach that our police officers were not our enemies and now we're seeing the exact opposite we're seeing that our parents some parents our news outlets are teaching our kids that our officers are not our uh, uh, friends and that they are our enemies and that they're going to try and, and, and shoot us and kill us and it, it's sad to see that it, it is really sad to see that the, the agenda, the political agenda to defund the police has come to our kids. And now our kids are taking action. Not the good, not the positive action, but the negative action of shooting at our police officers. It, it's really sad to see. Um, if you want to try and de-escalate this problem, then let's go ahead and, and let's... Our police officers are our community, Right. So let's go ahead and work on our community with our police officers. Let's go ahead and strengthen and mend that relationship together and, and, and make it stronger instead of just de-escalating it. Oh, I will say, too, is a lot of our police officers right now have been ambushed, ambushed, right? That's what the new that's again. It's just the political agenda of defund the police. We've seen a whole bunch of officers getting ambushed in Colorado. We've seen a whole bunch of officers uh, here. Uh, I believe this was in Florida. There's a whole bunch of other places where police officers are getting shot at just because they're police officers. And um, yeah, it, it's sad to see. And, and again, in order to fix this, I think we just need to strengthen our community and, and show that police officers are our friends and, and our neighbors and they're not our enemies one bit. One thing that happened last week as well is uh, we see that Biden suspended the Trump administration drilling leases in Alaska. And so this is according to Fox Business. The Biden administration suspended oil and gas drilling, oil and gas drilling leases within Alaska's Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, uh, pending the outcome of an environmental impact review, officials said on Tuesday. The decision marked a reversal of the Trump administration's efforts to expand drilling in the region. President Biden previously placed a temporary hold on oil and gas activities within the refuge, within the refuge, uh, yeah, sorry, citing potential legal deficiencies in a Trump-backed leasing program. So yet again, we see that Biden is 
destroying every almost everything that Trump did. He's destroying that. And instead of making America first, he's making America last. We see that yet again, more jobs are going to be lost. And on top of that, we have to rely yet again on other countries for our gas and for our oil. So be prepared to see higher gas prices and higher oil prices. We're already seeing gas prices go through the roof. Through the roof. And I think this just helps the Demo- the Democrats, right? I think it helps the Democrats because one of their agendas is to try and make everybody have an electric vehicle. I hate to break it to you, but electric vehicles are expensive. They're really expensive. And so if you're trying to get rid of a lot of these gas cars, you're going to see a lot of people who can't even make it to work because they don't have the money to uh, purchase gas for their vehicles. And, and keep an eye on that as well. Keep an eye to see the gas prices and how it's rising. And keep an eye to see how many people have started to purchase electric vehicles. One thing that we've talked about or have been talking about is a lot of uh, parents and teachers who are fighting against critical race theory and, and, and LGBTQ community and wearing masks. We've seen kids do that as well. So we're seeing a lot of action from uh, parents uh, and st- students and teachers. And, and I think a great example is this one right here. We see that a Virginia teacher was suspended when off the clock. Uh, a Loudoun County teacher who was placed on paid leave after disputing the school system policy towards transgender students has filed a lawsuit. The teacher, Tanner Cross of Lesburg Elementary School, was placed on administrative leave last week after his comments at a school board meeting. Cross has filed the lawsuit with the legal backing of the Alliance Defending Freedom, a conservative legal group uh, committed to protecting religious freedom, free speech, parental rights, and the sanctity of life, according to the website. Loudoun County Public Schools has not specified an exact reason for Cross's sudden leave. In a letter to Cross, the school system said the leave was pending on an investigation of allegations that you engaged in conduct that has had a disruptive impact on the operations of Lesburg Elementary School. The letter was hand-delivered to Cross less than 48 hours after his comments at a Loudoun County School Board meeting at the board meeting. Uh, Cross stated the policy 8040, which intends to affirm the identity of a transgender and gender nonconforming students, ran together, ran counter to his religion. Here's his quote. We condemn school policies like 840 and 8035 because it all damage, because it will damage children and defile the holy image of God, Cross said. I will not affirm that a biological boy can be a girl with and vice versa. Cross continued. It's against my religion. It's lying to a child. It's abuse to a child and the sinning against our God. The Alliance Defending Freedom said Cross's content, uh, comments were protected under the First Amendment. Mr. Cross's expression during a public comment time at an open school board meeting was undoubtedly expressed in his private capacity on a matter of public concern, said Tyson Langhover who works as a senior counsel with the Alliance Defend- Defending Freedom. And that was actually according to Patch.com. So we talked about parents, right? And so this is just a teacher who, who, out of the goodness of his heart, expresses, you know, what's going on in our public schools. Um, he's totally correct, too, right? We are totally lying to our children, if, if telling them, that, oh, yeah, you can switch genders. No, you cannot do that. Yeah, we're lying to them, telling them that there are multiple genders. There's not. There's only two genders, right? Male and female. There's only two sexes, male and female. You cannot mix that up. And, and you know, this is a lawsuit that he will easily win as well, right? And the reason why this is a lawsuit that he will easily win is, uh, uh, yes, it is your First Amendment, Amendment, the freedom of speech, but also he was off the clock. He was suspended. It's they're still investigating. What are they going to investigate? Well, you're suspended because uh, because you you spoke when you were off the clock, and you can't do that because you you weren't representing us. You can't do that. And so, this is a lawsuit. The teacher's usually going to win. And um, yeah, the school board just has no reason. And and this teacher is is um. He's, he's a, a man of faith. He's a man of God. And I think God's definitely taking a look at him and saying, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. We saw some election audits going on in Arizona, right? Uh, A few, I believe it was a few months ago. This year, we'll say this year because we're still in 2021. We've seen a whole bunch of election audits this year. And now Pennsylvania Republicans are calling for an election audit for the uh, their state. And this is according to the Wall Street Journal. Pennsylvania GOP lawmakers visited an ongoing Republican order audit of 2020 uh, ballots uh, here Wednesday and called for their state to conduct a similar review. The latest sign that political fighting over last year's election is far from over. Republicans in Arizona Senate ordered the audit of roughly 2.1 million ballots cast in Maricopa County, home to Phoenix, that began in April. President Biden won Arizona by just 10,000 votes out of more than 3.3 million cast statewide, in part due to a roughly two percentage point victory in Maricopa. On Wednesday, three Republican state lawmakers from Pennsylvania toured the audit site at the Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Phoenix and met with several Arizona GOP lawmakers to discuss election issues. According to Arizona Republicans State Senate, Wendy Rogers, who tweeted about the visit. So we've we've seen Arizona, uh, we've seen, I believe, Nevada, we've seen a whole bunch of other states, and um, it's it's cool to see that Arizona's not the only state. I think that's something that's really cool to see is is there's a whole bunch of other states who are saying, yeah, we we need to double check this audit and make sure that it was uh, uh, right. And so even though I think it's a little too late, I I think that if these audits were to show that there were fraud, I think it's a little too late. I think Biden's already in office, and and I think Biden's going to stay in office. But even though it's too late, I think the Republicans, I've said this before, I think the Republicans are just trying to make the point, a point. And this point is that we need to make our voting system uh, a safer. Uh, you know, that's why we've seen Georgia, Florida, and Texas take this this step forward on on doing these these election laws. You know, they're they're making sure that it's going to be um, less harder to cheat and and easier for people to vote, despite what uh, the far left, despite what they're saying is of uh, these elections are just discrimination. No, that's not the case. And, you know, great. I think it's really cool to see uh, Pennsylvania on there. And I hope we see other states uh, do the same thing as well as um, where they take a look at an audit or they they uh, re-update their, their voting uh, uh, laws. Last week, we talked about how um, the U.S. embassies were given permission to fly Black Lives Matter flags. And so this week, we saw that there was a Stars and Stripes Act, uh, and this act is basically a ban to fly political flags over embassies, and that BLM flag would be considered a political flag. And so this is actually according to the congresswoman, uh, one of the congresswomen who wrote this, uh, Nicole Maliel Takis, I believe is how you say her name. Uh, anyway, she's a Republican and, and representing the 11th District of New York. And um, here's what she said on her website. Congresswoman uh, Nicole Maliel Takis, uh, today with House GOP Conference Chair Elise Stefanik, Stefanik, Congressman Ken Buck, I know that name, uh, Michael Gust, uh, Daryl Issa, Brian Mast, and Pete Sessions introduced the Stars and Stripes Act of 2021, a legislation that directs the Secretary of State to restrict the display of certain flags or banners at diplomatic and consular posts around the world. Malio Takis' bill is in response to Secretary of State Anthony, Anthony uh, Blinken's recent directive authorizing and encouraging all U.S. embassies overseas to display uh, Black Lives Matter flags and banners. It is inappropriate for President Biden and Secretary Blinken to authorize and encourage the display of inherently political flags, and there is no way affiliate—excuse me—that are in no way affiliated with the U.S. government over American embassies overseas," said Congresswoman Malio Takis. The American flag is a beacon of freedom and hope for oppressed people around the world. It should be the primary flag flown over our uh, above our embassies, and that is why my legislation seeks to accomplish. That is what my legislation seeks to accomplish. The administration's directive is an insult to those who made the ultimate sacrifice for a flag in our nation, especially as we head into Memorial Day weekend, and it's absolutely ridiculous that legislation is needed to correct that issue. 
I said this last week too, is we shouldn't fly that, right? We shouldn't fly that. We should much rather fly, you know, a, a, a flag with the blue line uh, for our police, a flag with a red line for our firefighters. You know, it's, we should fly these flags. Um, I think we should fly our flags of our allies when they are in a war, right? When, when there was a war between Israel and Hamas, I, I believe we should have flown the Israeli flag to show that we're on Israel's side, you know? And so I do agree that we should also just keep the United States flag up there because yes, it is a symbol of hope. It is a symbol of freedom and, and it is a symbol of, of those who have died for our country and for that flag. And uh, I hope this uh, passes. I think it's a really good uh, uh, act. And I, there's a whole bunch of representatives and senators who uh, have edited this, edited this bill and has taken a look at it. And I can't wait to see if it'll pass or not. And I'm hoping it will. We're in the season of high school uh, of people graduating. And so uh, we're also in the year in the season where we see valedictorians uh, speak speak to their students and, and, and their teachers and their fer- friends and family, everybody. And so they, we see that a Texas high school valedictorian was speaking against the heartbeat bill. Um, this is according to The Guardian. The valedictorian at a Texas high school went off script while delivering her graduation speech, criticizing the state's extreme abortion ban in an address that has since been widely shared on social media. School administration's Administrators had signed off on Paxton Smith's pre-written speech on how TV and media had shaped her worldview. But when it came time to address the graduating class of Lake Highlands High School, she pivoted. In light of recent events, it feels wrong to talk about anything but what is currently affecting me and millions of other women in this state. She said her voice uh, shaking as she speaks. Starting in September, there will be a ban on abortion after six weeks of pregnancy, regardless of whether the pregnancy was the result of rape or incest. In May, the state's governor, uh, excuse me, in May, the state's governor, Greg Greg Abbott, signed into law a near total ban on abortions, prohibiting the procedure at six weeks, when most people do not even know that they are pregnant. The extreme ban also allows private citizens to sue my abortion provider or anyone who aids and abets excuse me, to sue any abortion provider or anyone who aids and abets in abortion that violates the restriction, opening the floodgates to harassment and frivolous lawsuits. So this is sad to take a look at, right? Her speech on how, you know, her original speech on how uh, TV and social media has has formed her worldview. It it definitely has. And I I can agree on that. Um, But her pivoting on abortion, I do not agree on that, right? And, and the reason why I do not agree on that is because abortions abortions are wrong for three reasons, right? Number one is it's intentional. It is wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human being, right? We see that in a book, The Developing Human. Uh, I don't know, remember who it was written by, uh, but here's the quote: "The zygote is, excuse me, the zygote is the beginning of a new human being." Human development begins at fertilization. Number two, the second reason is abortion intentionally kills an innocent human being. And so how did we get there? Well, we just took a look at that quote, right? We just have to answer, we just have to ask the right questions. Okay, what makes a human a human, right? What makes a baby a a fetus a fetus? Oh, well, a fetus has to rely on the mother. Okay, well, don't we all have to rely on our parents? So if you're saying we should abort the child when it, you know, until it no longer relies on the mother, then we can abort someone at the age of uh, at someone who's still living in their mother's basement because they still rely on them. It's 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 you just have to ask the right questions, and eventually, as you form that answer, those and and, and as you see those answers, it's going to form and and direct you to the fact being that oh, an abortion kills an innocent human being, you know. And the third, that's why abortion's wrong, right? Psalm 139.13 says, For you have formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. So it's, it's, it's hectic to see, right? This is a video that's going all over social media. And as she was talking about how social media, media has influenced her worldview, this is going to influence a whole bunch of people, the worldview 
that abortion is good and that we need to influence that. We should not ban it. But in reality, we should totally, totally do it. I, I, you know, one thing that I do understand is where she's coming from is I understand the frustration of, of, um, you know, incest and rape. I really do. But let me just say that though there have been multiple people who um, were born due to rape and incest, and instead of calling oneself an accident, they consider themselves a blessing. And, and, and a lot of them consider themselves a child of God. You know, in other words, God can turn an accident, right? God can turn an accident into beauty. And uh, he does it every single day. He does it to every single one of us. Is he turns us when we have an act, when when we sin, you know, we're broken. When we're completely broken, he fixes us up and makes us even better and makes us into in, into something beautiful. And and that's something that I think we just need to remind ourselves on a daily basis. So this week AOC is back in the news. Uh, this time for something that she's actually getting a lot of criticism about, right? AOC, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, was slammed for not helping her abuela. According to the New York Post, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was hammered on, twi- on Twitter Wednesday after she posted a lengthy thread highlighting the plight of her grandmother in storm-ravaged Puerto Rico. Here's her quote. Just over a week ago, my abuela fell ill. Okay, uh, Ocasio-Cortez began. I went to Puerto Rico to see her, my first time in a year, because of COVID. This is her home, the congresswoman added, posting a picture of a dwelling with a damaged roof, little dressers, and no bed. Hurricane Maria, relief hasn't arrived. Trump blocked relief money for uh, PR, Puerto Rico. People are being forced to flee ancestral homes, and developers are taking them. Over the next few tweets, the self-described Democrat socialist took aim at the former president and local politicians over the distribution of aid following the devastating impact of Hurricane Maria in 2017. Uh, the same article. This is, I just love this one. Honey, you drive a Tesla and have two apartments. Florida GOP congressional candidate Laverne Spicer chimed in. If your grandmother is living poor, that's because you don't didn't help her out. I'm surprised that a socialist wouldn't re redistribute that wealth to their grandma sad <laughs> i love that quote i want to put that quote on a t-shirt and i would wear that t-shirt I, that's that's that is like one of the the best quotes i've heard in a while um and it's true we see that alexandria ocasio cortez is full of money right she sells her merch it, it's like tax the rich and this merch is like 40 bucks it's expensive it's really expensive and we see that, uh, you know, the people's taxes goes, goes towards her paycheck. And if she wanted to help her grandmother, she perfectly could. She owns a Tesla, for goodness sakes. She just got one. So she should go and she should help her grandmother uh, because she has the money and, and, and instead of blaming it on Trump. I think that's one thing that's ridiculous is instead of saying, oh, yeah, I didn't help my abuela out. She goes, oh, yeah, it's Trump's fault. Trump should help my grandmother even though it's not, even though he's not her grandson, it's like let's think about this. If your family is sick, if or, or sick or in is in trouble, you should help them. You should help them as much as you can. And in this case, that's not what we saw with Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. She just put the blame on Trump. It, it just comes to show that the for the the Democrats' motto is "When in doubt, blame Trump," and we've seen that over and over again on a daily basis. We see that a public school, uh, a very expensive public school, Dalton, is teaching their first graders sex ed. First graders. Uh, According to the Fox News, parents at the elite $55,000 per year Dalton school are reportedly furious after learning that their first graders were being taught sex ed lessons in class. The prep school's health and wellness educator, Justine Ang Fonte, uh, who last month hosted a controversial and explicit porn literacy workshop at another elite institution, reportedly showed six-year-olds a video of a cartoon where little kids discussed touching themselves for pleasure, the New York Post first reported. Oh my gosh. Why do we need to teach our first graders this, right? We don't. We don't need to teach them this. We do not need to teach them this. They do not need to know this. They're still kids. Let kids be kids. That's all we have to do. 
uh, uh, first graders, they're still forming. Their brain is, brain is still forming, and they'll believe anything. First graders still believe that Santa Claus is real and the Easter Bunny is real as well. So why are we teaching kids that it's all right to touch yourself? Why is it all right to teach our first graders sex ed? It's not. It's not all right. This is something that our parents should teach our kids. This is it, it's it's clear and simple right there. Our parents should be the one teaching our kids sex ed. It should not be the public school because the public school has an agenda, and that agenda does not meet the agenda of other parents. And we're seeing parents are getting upset about this. And this is something that we just keep on seeing. We're seeing this more often. You know, just recently, Blue's Clues talked about the LGBTQ community in honor of Pride Month to kids. And, and kids do not need to learn this. Kids do not need to learn this one bit. The next thing, and I wouldn't be surprised if we hear another school decided to teach kindergartners that they're born racist, uh, uh, teaching kids critical race theory. I, I, I would not be surprised if we watched that. And it's sickening and it's sad to take a look at that and it needs to stop. Parents need to take back, regain control, and teach their kids sex ed when they believe it's the right time and when they believe the kid will fully understand it. A few weeks ago, we talked about how uh, Facebook is gave uh, time to figure out why uh, Trump should be suspended, why they banned Trump. And so uh, recently, they just announced why they should ban Trump. So according to BuzzFeed News, Facebook announced Friday that former President Donald Trump will be suspended for two years after his Facebook and Instagram accounts made posts that praised the violent insurrection at the U.S. Capitol that sought to overturn his loss in the presidential election. Given the gravity of the circumstances that led to Mr. Trump's suspicion, uh, suspension, we believe his actions constituted a severe violation of our rules, which merit the highest penalty available under the new enforcement protocols, the company said in the announcement. So there's a few things I want to say here. The first thing is, okay, if you ban Trump for two years because of a post that he uh, sent, uh, the first thing I want to say is, there are a whole bunch of other people who are posting, we should murder this person, we should kill this person. Why aren't you banning them? You guys should be able to ban them for the same amount of time, two years. You you should be able to do that. And yet we're not seeing that. Hamas and a whole bunch of these other ter terrorist organizations still have a Facebook page. And they're still posting their thoughts about you know killing and murdering and all this stuff. And yet they're not getting banned for two years. They need to be banned for two years. The other thing I want to say is, even with Trump being banned for two years, <laughs> we're not going to stop hearing from him, right? He's been on Fox News. He's been on Newsmax. He's been all over, and yet we can still hear him. Uh, not only that, he started his own blog, so we can still hear his opinion. We can still read his opinion. Even though it's going to be a little harder to get to it, I wouldn't worry about it. If there's a whole bunch of Trump supporters out there, which I believe there's still a whole bunch of them, I go into my grocery store, I still see Trump hats. You know, because they, they, they think Trump did an amazing job and they want to they want to support that. And so because of that, if they take a look at Trump's blog, they can easily post that on Facebook and 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 go around the full uh, uh, social media loop. So I, I can't wait to see that. I think Trump's going to be fine. His voice is still going to be heard and his voice is still going to be seen. So, yep. And you thought we were done talking about AOC. We are not. It, it's crazy. AOC has been in the news for a while. Uh, this week has been kind of big. Uh, uh, just a few days ago, AOC called to stop building jails. She called to stop building jails. Fox News said that the Democratic New York representative, Cortez, argued Thursday that authorities should stop building prisons and instead focus on, on, on relying excuse me, underlying public health issues as New York City seeks to address recent surge in, a, in violent crime. New York Democrats, including Cortez, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, and Representative Jamal Bowman, called on Congress to earmark $400,000 towards a program called Stand Up to Violence, which seeks to address gun violence through counseling and community outreach. Ocasio-Cortez said it was not acceptable, acceptable to use jails as garbage bins. If we want to reduce violent crimes, if we want to reduce the number of people in our jails, the answer is to stop building more of them, Ocasio-Cortez said. 
The answer is to make sure that we actually build more hospitals. We pay organizers. We get people mental health care and overall health care, employment, etc. It's to support communities, not to throw them away. This is so stupid. This is so dumb. It's like saying, in order to stop homelessness, let's get rid of houses. And she's just not thinking straight, right? Uh, I, I do agree. Don't get me wrong. Mental health is a big issue, and I totally agree with that. But let's go ahead and offer that to those who are already in prisons. Let's go ahead and help our uh, those who are in prisons and, and, and help them to to so that when they get out, they will be able to grab a job and live a better and healthier lifestyle. And uh, that's one thing that we should do. I, I And don't get me wrong, we should help those outside of prison as well. But, I mean, if you want to try and get rid of um, of these crazy crimes going on in New York, or specifically in California, then, then let's go ahead and, and do one of two things. First off, let's do this mental health in the prisons, right? Let's help those those inmates out. Second off, let's help our police officers. Our police officers are out there day and night risking their lives for us, and, and let's help them as well. Let's help them to be safer and, and, and to try and de-escalate the situation a lot better. And um, I, don't, I don't think we're going to see that with the far left. Um, and the facts is we're just constantly seeing a large majority of these crimes um, and the reason why we're seeing them is because when the pandemic happened, we got to see a lot of people leave prison due to COVID. Uh, recently in California, right, we saw someone hit an Asian woman and and they were able to identify the person who did that. And it turns out he was in prison and got out because of COVID. So that's one thing that we need to stop is we need to stop that and we need to take a look and and yeah. I totally agree on mental health, so let's help our inmates, and let's help our police as well. That's it from June 1st to June 4th. That is all the news I could gather. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Make sure you like, share, comment, do all of those things, and I will talk to you guys next week. their elections this week it's a brand new uh, election and so uh, results came out and it looks like there's a new iranian president that's been newly elected uh we don't know too much about him so here's what we know a little bit about him this is according to the washington post iran held most the most boring and most consequential presidential election in its history boring because the election was rigged virtually from the start what made the consequential is not because the winner ibrahim raisi is a gruesome excuse me, is a gruesome and unapologetic killer who has spent his entire career inside the regime's uh, coercive institutions. Nor is it because Raisi is the first Iranian president to fit the description. Both former President Ali Akbar Hashemi Rasanajani and Hassan Rouhani, the current president, were instrumental in building and using the Iranian police state. Unlike Raisi, who had involvement in foreign affairs, these two supposedly pragmatic clerics advanced operations abroad that killed Americans, Israelis, and Jews around the world. So now that we know a little bit about them, uh, there's this one emphasis I really want to bring up. And that one emphasis is that he does not want to talk to the president of the United States. And this is according to Just the News. Iran's newly elected president, Ibrahim Raisi, says he's not willing to pe- meet with the president, uh, Biden, in the international effort to revive the 2015 Iran nuclear deal. Raisi made the comments Monday during his first uh, uh, press conference since winning Iran's presidential election Friday. He also urged the United States to lift all sanctions on his country and to return to the nuclear deal and said Iran's ballistic missile program was, quote, not up for negotiation, end quote, according to CNN. My serious proposal to the United States Government is for them to return to the agreement in an expedited manner. In doing so, they will prove their sincerity, Ricey said. I reiterate that the U.S., that you were committed to the sanctions, come back and live up to your commitments. So I think we have to remember why we left this uh, Iran nuclear deal, right? I think we have to remember why we left this. Uh, when it was when President Trump, when Trump was our president, and 
He saw that Iran was not keeping up to the deal. In a matter of fact, as we kept these sanctions going on, Iran would just keep on uh, uh, making their Iranian uh, more getting to that percentage, right? Getting to that uh, percentage to more weapons grade. That's that's the word I'm looking for, and and that's why Trump left. That's why we left that deal because Trump saw that we were that Iran was cheating on it, and essentially. Um, just left. And I think that was a great thing for Trump to do. I don't think we should ever go back to this Iran nuclear deal because essentially uh, we were giving Iran permission to build nuclear weapons. And that's not what we want, right? We want to take uh, control of it. So uh, another thing too is it just comes to show that a lot of these foreign leaders don't really see Biden as as a president, they just see him as a joke, right? And I think this is a good example of this. We see that the brand new president doesn't even want to talk to Biden. And I think that's something that really comes to take a look at is he took a look and he's seeing that Biden's just not doing anything and, and he's a joke and he wants to talk to someone else.